0: Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek,
1: And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast.
0: So today, Katina has an article to share with us. What are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking
1: about voice and silence and uh, at work and the impact that those have on your well-being.
0: Mm. So voice is being heard and speaking yes. up. And silence silence is is.
1: withholding your ideas. Um, So it's not just being quiet. It's like actually having an idea and not sharing it. Um, Whereas voice isn't just like talking to talk. It's like I'm actually sharing something that I think is valuable um, Mm -hmm. to the team.
0: Something more substantive. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Well, I'm excited to hear about that.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: So Um, a couple of announcements before we start. Um, Next week... We are starting a break. We're gonna have two week break for the summer. Um, yeah, so that'll be fun. It'll be a little little respite for us. Um, I'm, as you know, we've been recording a lot of these episodes in advance, so it helps us to have a little break, so we can give Allie more time and more of a break after having a little baby. So that's what's happening. If you don't see episodes for from us in the next two weeks, you know why. Not a surprise.
1: Yes. So stay tuned for some new content. But for now, our last episode was on um, detaching. So you can detach and do whatever you want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or if you want to go back and listen to episodes you missed, it's a perfect time to do so. Yes,
1: that's actually accurate. Yeah, we've how many episodes have we recorded now? (laughs)
0: I don't know off the top of my head I'd have to do some digging but it's it's quite a bit I mean at the time that this one airs we'll have we'll be almost at two years of being a podcast which is crazy bonkers right I can't believe that and so we've taken a few breaks here and there so but we'll be close to 100 episodes got to be near that yeah yeah that is crazy. I know so it's many great episodes. Stuff, yeah.
1: So actually, that's a really good point. Like, if you haven't heard some of the episodes, like, go hear some of the ones because they're so good. They're they don't get they're they're timeless timeless research findings. <laughs> yes,
0: it's very true. the The research studies don't disappear after a period of time. So if you yes have a topic that you missed that you want to listen to, go on back and do it.
1: They do not self destruct. <laughs> Which always reminds me of Inspector Gadget. Did you ever watch that show?
0: I did. I didn't really love it, though. Maybe I'm weird. No, My I loved it. Loved I think it. the
1: show was weird. I mean, clearly, if you go back and watch any of the stuff we used to watch when we were little, it's all, like, really freaking weird. Like, like definitely Inspector Gadget's, like, a strange show. You're not strange for not liking it. I mean, like, basically, like, yeah, everything blew up all the time on Inspector
0: Gadget in a trash can. <laughs> I mean, that was what that whole joke was, like, every episode. <laughs> <laughs> very true yeah my sister watched it more than I did um but yeah kids shows are I'm sure that the ones that are out today too are also kind of strange when you think about it but I guess it's not strange for kids I guess kids have big imaginations and they like things like that yeah kids like wild things I we were just talking about
1: this the other day that my brother's favorite was Gullah Gullah Island which was on Nickelodeon oh, yeah. do you remember that one
0: I do remember that
1: I think like my sister people... watched that one
0: more than me, too. I think it's slightly younger than us.
1: Yeah, it is. That's why my brother loved it. But like every day he would come home from half day kindergarten and my mom would make him peanut butter and jelly and he would watch Gullah Gullah Island because I think it started at like 1230. It was like Gullah Gullah Island. You know. Yes, I know. <laughs> but that was also a bonker show because it was like a family that like played reggae music in their yard, but also like lived with a giant human sized frog. Like <laughs> that was just a weird kind con- like who pitches that and is like it's a family. Who plays reggae music, but also they have a giant polywog living in their house. Like, what? But kids really liked it. So it's yeah. totally normal. Totally normal. Totally normal. normal. Well, totally that normal. person
0: that decided to pitch the polywog idea had a voice. Oh. Boom transition. Whoop. <laughs> the
1: person on that day, they said, I'm bringing. The best idea I've ever had. A <laughs> show I've been dreaming of for years. Watch the person that invented it. will listen to this and be like, this is so insulting. That was my <laughs> life. That was my life's work. Uh. How rude. Um. OK. Yes. So that is true. They may have had a voice. And so the article that I'm going to talk about today is called Distinguishing Voice and Silence at Work. Unique Relationships with Perceived Impact, Psychological Safety, and Burnout. And it's by Sherf, Park, and Izakayan. And it is in press. So it doesn't even have like a 2020, like it's hot off the press, like it just got accepted, like don't even know when it's going to come out.
0: Ooh. What journal is it in? It's in the Academy of Management Journal. Nice. So fancy journal, Fancy new yes. article. Yes. Super exciting. Okay. Yes. So, what did they find? Tell us all the so things. So,
1: this is actually kind of, I've never really seen this done before, but one of the studies is a meta analysis where they push together a whole bunch of studies on voice and silence and look at the impact, uh, what promotes them, and then also what the impact is. Um, and then they also have a separate study where they replicate those findings in their own study. Um, After they do the meta-analysis because they found some methodological issues with the studies that they pushed together. And so they decided to see if what they're purporting to have happen actually replicates in their own study, if that makes sense. That's so so interesting. It's a weird. I've never seen anyone do a meta-analysis and then their own study. But basically what happened was... A lot of the different studies defined these things very, very differently. And so I guess they had to demonstrate that like not only do they hold up across all these studies, but also in a separate study, defining it the way they're defining it, it it works. So yes. So let's talk about definitions then. So what is voice? Voice is people's discretionary communication. So I'm deciding to communicate ideas, suggestions, concerns, or opinions about work-related issues, because I want to improve how the organization or the unit is functioning. So I have an idea, I want to help solve a problem, I want to maintain good operations, I want to innovate something. Sharing an idea, suggestion, or concern is voice. Um, In contrast, silence is the withholding conscious withholding of information, suggestions, ideas, questions, or concerns about potentially important work or organization-related issues from people who might be able to take action to address those issues. So I think that my manager should really know about something important, but I'm consciously withholding that information for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple things going on in here around voice and silence. One is that researchers have generally been kind of unclear about whether a voice and silence are the same thing but opposite. So in other words, like if I have less silence, I automatically have more voice. Or if I have more silence, I automatically have less voice. Or if they're two separate things, like I can do a lot of voice behavior, but I can also do a lot of silence behavior. So this paper first set out to determine, is it the case that you're either silent or voice e or is it the case that you can both have a lot of voice and both have a lot of silence and what they found just to give this like first definitional because I think it has to do with how we're going to talk about it the rest of the time is that you can do both so they're not mm-hmm. opposite sides of the same coin they're actually two separate things so mm-hmm. a person who shares a lot of ideas discretionarily could also at the same time be withholding a lot of ideas um, so they don't One more of one doesn't mean less of the other.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, sometimes if you're not voicing things, it's not because you wouldn't, you know, if you didn't have it it doesn't mean that you are against doing that. Um, That's not why you're quiet. You're not like intentionally hiding things always. Right. So it's like the silent. It it makes sense to me that they're separate because maybe certain types of ideas I don't want to share for whatever reason. And then other things like. I think are just too important to not address because it's going to make my life easier. And I want to make sure that's said and shared and dealt with. So like there might be reasons as to why some things you hide, why some things you share. Um, So it makes a lot of sense to me that you could be, you could do both of these things. You could be silent and you can have a lot of voice. Um, Yeah. Alternatively, you could probably do neither of these. Like maybe you just don't have a lot that you want and contribute. You're not that engaged in it or whatever. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's what they found in this. And
1: the reasons that they say these two things are separate is because they actually operate in two, two separate systems that they're arguing are like biologically rooted in human beings. So the system that regulates whether or not you speak up about something and share something is based in this system, which basically um, is around behavioral activation, which means that I'm seeking potential opportunities or rewards. I want to achieve something. I'm like moving towards something that I think is valuable for me. Um, so I'm like hopeful or eager or enthusiastic about a better future. And so I am, I am actually like actively moving towards something that I think is going to give me a reward or lead to something better than what exists right now. So that's called like a behavioral activation system and voices related to that. Um, the behavioral in- inhibition system is what is related to um, to silence. So that's like I experience a threat or I think a punishment might be in my environment. So I'm going to move away from sharing that information. And that's associated with like fear or worry or anxiety um, and uh, being more like vigilant. So mm-hmm. it's it's not you could be both fearful of sharing certain information or fearful in your environment, but also see that there are certain rewards or gains to be made in sharing other things simultaneously. Um, So they're not the same
0: system so they can be produced at the same time. I can think of a perfect example. Like I'm just thinking of something that I've heard from somebody I know. Like sometimes you don't want to give feedback about a leader's behavior. So let's say, A leader is putting a very extreme deadline on you or they have unreasonable expectations about something, but they're also not a person that you can share that with. You can tell them like, hey, like I have other things I need to do right now. I can't add this to my plate to be done by the end of the day without working extra hours or whatever. There might be, you know, so you may be afraid of saying something because they might get mad. They might get upset. Mm -hmm. They might think you're not a team player or whatever. But then at the same time, you could have a team meeting with everybody and we're talking about process improvements and you've got some really great ideas on how to improve a certain process and then you speak up there. So in that case, you want to make this process better and so you're willing to speak up because you think that it's going to help, you think it's going to create some sort of reward, but then you're not going to tell them that, oh, that deadline makes no sense because you think that's going to get some sort of backlash.
1: Yeah, that's a perfect example. Um, and yeah, I think that that's also a really good example because it's more than just like I don't have anything to say or like I ha- I just generally am a t- I'm like a chatty person. I just have a lot to say. It's not necessarily like who says the most or who says the least. It's like if you have an idea or you have a way to improve things, like Voices, I'm going to share, intentionally share that because I want to change the status quo. Whereas silence is I also have an idea or concern and I'm going to deliberately choose not to share it, even though I think it might improve things. So Um, it's not just like, are you talkative or not? And I think your example really gets at that because it's like, I have a really good idea that I could share to improve the team, but I also have another set of ideas that are more like concerns that could improve the team, but I don't want to share them because I'm afraid of how my leader might react to that kind of information as opposed to like general information about improving the team's processes or procedures.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, it definitely resonated as you were explaining it. I was like, this is a perfect example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Um, So as it turns out, those are two separate things, which makes sense. And so then what they were interested in is what is it that actually causes people to have more voice or to be more silent? And what they found is that there are two separate things. So these are separate things. So they have separate things that predict whether or not you're going to actually have them. So perceived impact is more predictive of voice than silence. So if you think that what you have to say is actually going to have make a splash It's actually going to be taken into consideration. You're going to be listened to. You're going to be heard. And people are actually going to take your suggestion seriously. You're more likely to voice. Impact, however, is not as related to silence because impact is more of that like active like, oh, I'm eager to share something and I think that it's actually going to make a difference. Like I see it moving the status quo forward. So that's really important to me because voice is more driven by the idea that I just don't I just want to avoid a I'm pu- oh, sorry, because silence is more driven by I just don't I want to avoid a punishment and not so much like I'm trying to achieve a goal. Psychological safety is more important to predicting silence. So if I'm in a psychologically safe environment, I'm more likely to speak up because I feel like the people around me are not going to judge me. It's more, um, it, I don't feel like I'll face punishment for coming up with a bad idea. Like if people don't like what I've said or if the information that I've shared is threatening to someone in some way, I'm not going to face punishment for that action. So psychological safe, psychologically safe environments promote lower levels of silence, whereas environments that make people know that their ideas have an impact are more likely to predict voice if that makes sense Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it does make sense so it's like it's more like a bad psychologically unsafe environment is going to make people be more silent and if Mm -hmm. it's safe that means people are going to stop avoiding sharing yes and then but it doesn't matter about impact right it's like if i feel safe i'm not going to avoid sharing anything Mm-hmm. but then if i know the impact then i'm more likely to push myself to speak up in a voice perspective so it's like a little bit more active than the other side
1: yeah exactly so it's like i will be less likely to withhold information that you know usually if you're withholding information it's because you're seeing that it has like some kind of a risk associated with it so i'm less likely to withhold information if i feel safe but when i have just like an idea to share that i want a voice right um I'm not going to voice an idea that I don't think is going to matter. So the impact piece becomes more important. They have impacts on each other. So like psychological safety also improves voice and, um, and uh, the impact also improves um, silence, but the impacts are much stronger on um, in, in the other direction. So psychological safety has a much stronger impact on silence and impact has a much stronger impact on voice.
0: Got it. That makes sense.
1: Um. So Getting to the well-being part then. So we know what to do to promote silence and voice now. If you want people not to withhold information from you, create a psychologically safe environment. If you want people to voice things actively, voice suggestions actively, um, then you want to make sure that they're aware that they're heard and that people's suggestions are taken seriously. But what does it matter really in the workplace if people are voicing or being silenced? Um, They also looked at the impact of these things on burnout. So, if I am voicing things, what impact does that have on whether or not I feel burnout? And if I'm withholding things, what impact does that have on whether or not I feel burnout in the long run? And what they found in the meta analysis, as well as in their separate study, is that while voice has some impact on burnout, the impact of silence on burnout was much greater. So, the more information you're withholding, the worse it is for your burnout, the more likely you are to burn out. And that, that relationship was much stronger than, like, if I have a suggestion, I'll share it. That decreases my burnout a little bit. But the really damaging thing to your burnout is if you're holding information that you feel like you can't share. So silence is more important than voice in predicting burnout, which means that psychological safety, if you have to pick between psychological safety and impact, although it would be great to do both, psychological safety is more important than
0: impact um, in this sort of information-sharing realm. That makes so much sense because when it comes down to silence, there's a fear associated with it. There's, um, there's the idea that you just don't feel comfortable. You don't feel safe when you're feeling that those are already causing stress. So that would make sense that it would lead to some burnout. And then in addition, you're now like not sharing something that you want to share that you think that you feel, you know, is important enough that it's, a, a battle almost within yourself right like I don't feel this deadline is fair I wish I could say something but I can't and so now you're like in a struggle that is really tough and I think it's really I mean just I'm thinking about like from a personal perspective I think this is an easy example so if you're with your family members and let's say you have two different opposing political views and one person is Saying their view and you don't agree with it and it's frustrating to you, but you know that it would actually be worse if you speak up because then you're just gonna get a big fight and then you might not talk to that person for a while and it's just gonna create more drama and they're gonna blame you for the drama and whatever. I feel like that people deal with that kind of stuff all the time, right? Where there's some cases where it doesn't make sense to speak up when you have a differing opinion than a family member. But having that differing opinion and sitting there in silence is stressful and can mm-hmm. make you feel uncomfortable for a period of time. And it makes that that whole period of time being there more stressful than it needs to be. Um, you know, maybe speaking up would create some stress, but at least you feel like your opinion is being shared. You're being true to yourself. You're able to speak up. But if you can't speak up, if you're in a situation where you can't say anything, and it feels really uncomfortable for you. It's just, it's just bad all around. Like you don't want to be in that situation anymore. You just, everything about it makes you feel worse and worse. And I think that this is, you know, the same thing in the work side. If you feel really strongly about something and just don't have the power to share it and you feel like you have to stay silent, that's going to just weigh on you in a much stronger way than um, than sharing what you think.
1: Yeah. And I think that's exactly right. That Uh, while it's good, it's better to be able to share suggestions to improve ideas and not to withhold ideas that you're afraid will face punishment, sitting there and thinking like, I have something to say, but I'm scared to say it is different than like, oh, I have a good idea and I want to share it. Like um, if you have a good idea and you want to share it, but no one hears your idea, that's frustrating because you know that you have a suggestion that could improve things. But if you're like, I want to say this and I'm scared to say it, that's a different psychological impact on people because it's wrapped up in a different sort of motivation, which is why they were talking about this like active system versus like inhibitive system. Like, am I trying to avoid a punishment or am I trying to achieve a reward? Like being at sort of a good place and not getting reward is different than like being in a bad place and not being able to like relieve that pressure.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's so interesting. So What takeaways do you have for people from the study that they can use now?
1: Yeah. So basically what they said is that you have to find ways to increase opportunities for perceived impact, but also increase opportunities for, uh, you know, people to feel like it's a psychologically safe environment. So they were giving some examples at the end of the article, which I thought were interesting. And one was like, you know, okay, well, maybe you can put together like A suggestion box right and that might be a good way for people to um, or an anonymous survey um, might help people to feel more psychologically safe about um, raising their concerns because they're not identifiable and so people might be more willing to like report unethical behavior or report that they feel they're like being mistreated if it's like a suggestion box or an, an anonymous survey but if you're also trying to enhance voice that might not generate a lot of impact because employees feel like, well, if you don't know who it is and you're not sure exactly like who I am or I'm just kind of like throwing my hat into the ring with a bunch of other anonymous suggestions and I can't have a conversation with you about it, is there actually going to be an impact? Um, it might not be so good for raising voice so you might need a separate set of suggestions for each so like maybe you do a suggestion box an anonymous survey to help raise psychological safety so that people are more willing to report and then you know that relieves some of that silence but then you also need Another thing to help raise voice like a brainstorming group or um, showing or highlighting ideas that people raised and what the impact of those ideas were down the line um, or, you know, rewarding employees for having good ideas and showing how like they brought this up in a meeting and now it's, uh, you know, made its way to being something real. So like, um, you know, growing psychological safety in your team by doing good managerial practices and building trust and like showing that people aren't going to get punished for sharing ideas or giving like anonymized ways to raise, um, to raise issues might be one way to, to reduce silence. But they're also suggesting that because these are two different things, um, you may need a separate set of mechanisms to make people recognize the impact of their
0: ideas. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and honestly, everything that you described probably best practice right like you Mm -hmm. should allow for some some anonymous feedback in some fashion regardless of whether or not you think you have a safe culture or environment because there might be one manager one leader one person out there that's not so good and you want to give people that outlet if they need it. I think managers and leaders need to be creating safe environments and organizations should be providing training and guidance and help for people to understand how to build those safe environments so that when the people feel safe, they'll speak up. And then when people do speak up and have great ideas and, you know, obviously you want to acknowledge everybody's idea and and thank them for providing. But when an idea really goes the extra step of being a new product, being a new process, being something like that, then you acknowledge it. You have some sort of um, recognition tool, you send it out in your corporate communications that so-and-so came up with this great idea or this team did this idea, then everyone can feel like what they're doing, their ideas, their what they're saying is being taken seriously and it's making an impact they can see when they do something really great, it is valued. Yeah, I think that's dead on. Um,
1: Yeah, so just recognizing that Just because someone is talking a lot doesn't mean that they're not also withholding things. And just because someone's extroverted doesn't mean that they're sharing all their good ideas or they're not withholding other things. So it's not just about how much someone talks or how much someone doesn't talk. It's about what are they choosing to share and what are they choosing not to share. And making sure that people are able to freely share um, ideas has something to do with ensuring that they realize that their ideas will be heard and also something to do with recognizing that they're not going to be punished.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that recognition piece is really important in terms of understanding that just because someone comes to your team meeting with thousands of ideas and they're talking all the time doesn't mean that they also don't feel, you know, unsafe around you as a leader from time to time or a certain team member or whatever. Those things can still happen even if the person brings up ideas. So yeah, it's a really great call out.
1: And that silence is even more impactful on burnout. Um, So it's really important to address that. So yeah, don't just think like, oh, well, if this person had an issue, they would tell me because they talk all the time. That might not be true. (laughs) Um, So uh, recognizing that as uh, two separate things, I think is a good takeaway from this article. And I hope that people... um, Start to think about who might be voicing and who might be silent on their team. And if you're not sure, because it's an internal process that they're doing,
0: thinking about how can you enhance psychological safety to the best of your ability, I think is a good strategy. I love it. Yeah. We want to reduce that burnout and help people feel safe and comfortable and recognized and make them feel valued, like they have an impact. All good things. So thank you so much for sharing this. Of course. We'd love to hear from all of you listeners as well. Please reach out. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at Worker Being, and also on our website, which is workerbeing.com. We'll have a fabulous break, and we hope you do too. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks. The Worker Being podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.